Welcome to All Write in Sin City, a podcast about writers and writing in the Windsor, Detroit region. Your podcasters today are Irene Moore Davis, author, educator, and local historian, Sarah Jarvis, former bookseller, publishing rep, and literary festival chair, and me, Kim Conklin, Windsor based writer and filmmaker. in Ottawa, Ontario, Stephanie Clermont traveled throughout Canada and the United States, working at a wide variety of jobs before settling in Montreal in 2012. Le Jeu de la Musique, her first book, was published in 2017. For this work, she won the prestigious Prix Ringet of the Quebec Academy of Arts and Letters, the Quebec Arts Council's prize for a new work by a young artist, and Le Prix Adrien Choquette for short stories. It was a finalist for the Grand Prix du Livre de Montreal and was included in Le Combat des Livres, the French language counterpart of Canada Reads. Le Jeu de la Musique has been released in English translation as The Music Game, published by Biblioasis Press. Stephanie Clermont will be appearing twice at this year's Bookfest Windsor Festival du Livre as part of a French language panel on October 14th and an English language panel on October 15th. And we are so pleased to have her with us on the podcast now. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. When and how did you first fall in love with writing? Uh, I mean, I've been uh, writing really forever, like since childhood. Um, I think uh, writing was a, uh, a habit that started out as just journaling and then by the time that I was in high school, it was almost my equivalent to doodling in class. You know, I, I was a bit distracted sometimes or, you know, didn't completely pay attention to my teachers. And I would kind of uh, scribble poems that came from somewhere in my subconscious and uh, really just uh, practice in a way with very little uh, pressure or uh, outside, you know, uh, influence in a way because it was something that was kept secret in a way. I had like a close friend that we would read uh, each other our poems and we would write letters to each other. And we also devoured poetry and other uh, books. But um, yeah, it's something that has kind of always been with me. Uh, you know, when I started traveling, I also always took notes of the people, about the people I met, about things that I witnessed, uh, whether it was to process feelings or just to remember things. And um, yeah, I think in, in a way I was very lucky not to have too much like formal ambition for the longest time because it allowed me to be quite free in the way that I would um, that I would write. And then at some point it was just piling up to to the point that I was like, OK, I think I need to consider this as more than just something I do. This is clearly more of a of a vocation type of thing. So now that you are professional, what's your writing routine like now? Do you still write every day? Do you still journal? Is there a certain place you like to write or that you write best? Well, that depends on where I'm at in uh, the process of a project because it's changed a lot actually from it. I still, 
I still journal, but not, um, not as regularly as when I was younger, maybe. And I also have a life that's way more repetitive now that I'm older. I don't, uh, you know, take a Greyhound bus across the country or hitchhike or do things like that anymore. I don't go to bars to write on the counter or so I would say that my writing now is way less linked to inspiration and to things that are happening in the moment. Although that still happens because I do always carry a notebook. Uh, but I try to just put a little bit of time aside every single morning. So it'll be anywhere from half an hour to three hours in the morning, depending on what my day looks like. And um I have, if I'm working on a project, I'll usually go with a word count. I'll try to tell myself I'll, I'll do a thousand words. Uh, and if I'm not working on a project, I just try to come up with where am I at this morning? Okay, maybe I could like advance a bit more on, you know, this general theme or idea that I've been thinking about or... I just want to, you know, write a few pages about something more personal that's not necessarily going to turn into a story. But I, I try to set a bit of time aside uh, every morning and I'll usually uh, start by hand and then uh, copy out what I've written um, to my computer and just kind of auto edit as I'm doing that. The music game tells a story of a group of 20-somethings who forge deep bonds in a world that isn't always full of light and hope. What was your inspiration for the book? Well, definitely what I was seeing around me, um, my, my own experiences and my friends' experiences. Um, I, I, I felt that I wanted to write the book that I could write. So you know, it, it was the thing that I felt I had the most authority to write about. And it was actually um, kind of a, initially difficult, but eventually very motivating to write about something that I wasn't necessarily seeing a lot in the in books that I had read. So to, to just remind myself and I think the more you read, the more that becomes clear too that everything can be literature. And so, for example, like not having read that many books that are set in Ottawa, which is my hometown, uh, you know, so just saying like, well, Ottawa is interesting and I know it by heart. Uh, and just to kind of ground some of my characters in streets that were very familiar to me or also to have some of them working dead end jobs. I've worked a lot of dead end jobs. So I kind of tried to. Um, kind of like pick and choose in almost like a um, uh, really like a composite, uh, you know, let's say I would imagine a character in a certain situation. And then I would tell myself, like, maybe I can give this character my childhood friend's parents, but she'll also have this other person's physical appearance. And then from this kind of like familiarity, but that's also um, removed enough from any kind of reality that gives you a, a certain freedom to then take what's actually happening in the writing 
to let it become just completely uh, something else than what might actually have happen in reality. The structure of this book is really interesting. It frequently shifts between characters, perspectives, places, and time periods in a non-chronological order, and yet it all makes sense. From the beginning, did you have a sense of the order in which you wanted to present this content, or did your plans shift throughout the writing and editorial process? Actually, I think that's something that is one of the things that I credit, um, you know, my French publisher, Le Cartanier, the most with is something that we worked on a lot. The order of the stories and the rhythm uh, of the book and yeah, the achronological order, but at the same time to make sure that everything fits within a universe that is logical and um, that doesn't cheat, right? So we actually made like a very precise timeline of events saying, okay, well, if the characters are this age at the present moment, okay, they're born like in 1988. So everything that happens when they're supposedly eight, if I reference historical events, they have to be actually happening in the right year. And so we did that. And then initially, I think the way I presented the stories was almost more thematical so almost more um I'm not sure dogmatic or a certain way it was like okay this is going to be all the stories about uh, domestic violence this is all the stories about suicide this is and and uh with the editors they really helped me to find um an order that was more organic and that was more yeah poetic and that kind of hooks the reader in uh, with different uh, emotions, with identification, but then uh, something harder to take. And then the usually the, I think there's four sections or it's divided in parts. And usually at the end of each section, there's a story that's a bit more, uh, almost like a poem in prose, that's a bit uh, more open. And the intention was kind of to let the reader breathe a little. So, um, yeah, it kind of, that was one of the things that evolved the most from beginning to end. And we don't often get to, to speak to original authors whose books have been translated. So we're, we're very interested in, um, your book has been recently translated into English, as Irene mentioned. And so we're kind of interested in the process. How involved were you in overseeing the translation process? Did you worry that any of your beautiful work would be lost in translation? Well, it, it's actually very interesting because I think that, um, you know, let's say somebody, uh, a publisher from, you know, a, a language that I don't personally speak uh, had shown interest in, you know, buying the, the rights, it, it would have been like a, an honor and a, a practice and letting go to just be like, okay, well, I hope, you know, this is good. And I hope that uh, the, the meaning and as much as the, the poetry, if that's possible, can, can carry through. Uh, but with English, I mean, I'm, I'm been living, you know, a bilingual life uh, since childhood, you know, my partner is Anglophone and, a lot of the events that take place in the book, it, you know, they're based on uh, moments in my life where 
I was actually living in English. There's some stories that are going on in, in California. So I actually got very involved <laughs> in the translation process just because I, I could and that I wanted it to be as good as possible. And obviously the English um, market is, you know, it's the biggest uh, one and it, it's, uh, you know, not only in Canada, but in the, the United States, I, I feel like uh, the content of my book uh, is relevant to uh, that readership as well. So I really did feel like it was worth it for me to, you know, collaborate and to try to, to, to bring it to to bring what I could to the translation process, just because I don't personally write in English, but I, I did have a lot of insight into how this would have actually been said or what this actually means because, um, yeah, because so much of the context in the book is actually things that exist in English. So, yeah. And I just want to add on to that, like knowing how 20 something speak in English and in French <laughs> is so important. They will immediately sniff out if it doesn't sound like something they would say, right? Well, yeah, although, I mean, uh, I, I'm not 20 something anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I think I, I saw something, uh, uh, it made me laugh so much and feel so so old. It, it was uh, some kind of review that said, this is a, a vintage millennial core, you know, retro book about things of the past. It's like, what? This is very contemporary. This is right now, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, it, it all goes by really fast. And I, I actually like... Uh, decided to have the, the language in the book like yes there is some joie there is some you know expressions and things but that was another very um, interesting insight from my editor uh, that they reminded me that sometimes things don't age well and mm -hmm. when you think that something will always be understood because it's in the zeitgeist and of course that's hilarious and they were like, no, but in five years, nobody will know what you're talking about and it'll feel irrelevant. And that was such a good insight. Like, it's so true. There's some things that we took out that I'm like, oh, good thing we took that out. <laughs> so what is it that you're currently working on? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, I, I'm actually working on a novel uh, right now. And... Um, it touches on the themes of um, family uh, and more particularly uh, young adults who both come from, from families that have, they wanted to run away from and uh, they end up having a family together. And it's kind of about uh, the intention of not recreating the things that uh, we see as toxic in our families of origin, but how truly difficult that ends up being once you switch roles and become a parent yourself. Okay, sounds very interesting. Would you like to read something for our listeners? Sure, sure. I'll just read... Um, 
I'll read one of the stories that's quite short. It's maybe halfway between, you know, one of the uh, the stories and what I was saying about the poems and prose. So it's called Victory. Over the years, it ate away at my soul. I told myself, I kept telling myself until my head was spinning. I'd like to spit in his face. I'd like to tell him to fuck off, hurt him, really hurt him, give him a long-term headache. I'd come out of it safe and sound and he'd have migraines, a headache that would last for years, too sick to speak, too sick to screw, too sick to sleep, a balloon that's going to burst, that is bursting, that is going to burst, that is bursting endlessly in his head. You can't go out anymore, so you can't make friends. You can't listen. You can't learn. You can't have fun, especially, especially, especially. You can't fuck anymore. Never again. You become a wreck. For years, I've been fantasizing. And then one day, it happens. I do it. One day, I plow into you hard. I see your legs flailing. I see you turn blue, then confess. You have the nerves of a child. Hot lungs. You don't scare me. Your pains are nothing but little pricks. I turn myself into marble and stay like that. You cry, I overwhelm you. I turn your weight into feathers and then I leave. I sleep, one hand on my stomach, uncomfortable on the greyhound seat, but at peace. You will never again pretend to have forgotten. I have a heart in my stomach. I am absolutely sure of it. I haven't seen a doctor, but I can tell. That's what gave me the courage to leave. It beats with my own heart. It sings, not very fast, not very strong, but it is firmly attached. It says, here I am, and I need you to go far away. A little ruby sheltered deep inside me. One day, you shut your mouth. It's a small joy, but so long hoped for that I let it melt in my mouth. Thank you. Thank you. Stephanie Clement is the multi-award winning author of Le Jeu de la Musique, which has been translated into English as The Music Game. And she will be one of the authors participating in Bookfest Windsor, Festival du Livre, which will be held October 13th to 17th this year. Thank you for joining us, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Look for more episodes of All Right in Sin City wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out our website, allrightinsincity.com. For information and announcements of new podcasts, sign up to our email list or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.